Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again this morning. We are here in your house. We plead the blood of Jesus over our lives. Father, through the week, Lord, we've been in this world. Father, so many ideas might have assaulted our minds. So many thoughts which are not of God might have been sown into our hearts and in our minds. But Lord, even as we have come to the ministry of the word this morning, your word says that you sanctify us, that you cleanse us by the washing of the water by your word. And I pray, Father, that Lord, you would wash us. Let the water of the word of God cleanse us, sanctify us, separate us, Because you said in your word, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And therefore I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Cleanse us from the ideas that we may have received, which are not of God. Wash us thoroughly, O Lord. Cleanse us and purge us. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would prepare us for the days ahead. Strengthen us in our resolve. Let faith arise. Strengthen us in our faith. And I pray, Father, that you would find in us, in this place, a generation who truly, Lord, will stand the test of time, the tests and all the assaults that may be coming against your children in these coming days, that we'll be prepared, O Lord Jesus. To that end, I pray that you would anoint us, even in the speaking and in the hearing of today's word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> One of the, um, in the discourse, in the Olivet discourse, Jesus is, uh, tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 12. This is what he says before the end comes. He says, the gospel, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. You know, one of the words that I'm jealous and zealous for, the word preach. It doesn't say this gospel of the world will be discussed. This gospel of the kingdom will be debated. The Bible says, where is the debater of this world? The disputer. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? The kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, there is proclamation. Yes, there is teaching. But primarily, there is preaching. Right from the beginning, before the judgment of, during Noah's days, God raised up a man. To build an ark. And the several titles that have been given to him. But Second Peter chapter 2 will say. That Noah was a. What, what was he? He was a preacher. Huh. I like that. He was a preacher of righteousness. He did not discuss huh, with people. He did not debate with people. He just preached. He proclaimed the truth. So the gospel. Is the gospel of the kingdom. And there is only one. 
way to respond to the gospel. Or rather, two ways. I mean, one and the other one is Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching. I like that again. I love this word, preaching. This, this preaching is such a powerful word. Baptist came preaching, not discussing. In the wilderness of Judea, and what did he say? Repent. Change your mind. Be reconciled to God. Okay. Put on all your thoughts, and there's only one thought that will prevail. Okay. All the ideas of men will all fall to the ground one day, but only one thing will stand. The word of God will stand forever. Repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. So, in the kingdom of God, <clears throat> in order for, I mean, if you are, of course, most, I'm, I'm, I'm possibly speaking to majority of people who have already believed and who have entered into the kingdom of God, who have experienced new births. And if you were there yesterday, the only way we enter into the kingdom of God is through new births. Through repentance, through new births. That is the reason why the Bible says in John's Gospel chapter 3, it says, unless a man is born from above, he cannot see. Unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter. Into what? The kingdom of God. So, once you have entered into the kingdom of God, or even the process of entering and to stay in the kingdom of God, and for the kingdom of God to advance in our lives, there is one thing that the Bible very clearly says, and it is in our own personal experience. If we want to advance in the kingdom of God, if we want to grow in the kingdom of God, if we want to allow the kingdom of God to become even more manifest in our lives, to become even more real in our lives, this is only one way. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 12, we'll talk about that way. From the days of John the Baptist, who came first, who was a herald of the new covenant, or to the new covenant. He was a man in the old covenant, but he was a forerunner to the new covenant. He, this is what he says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, what does it do? Suffers violence. But what do the violent do? They take it by force. So there's only one way for the kingdom of God to advance. To be what? Violent. My goodness. What is he talking about? Of course, he's not talking about going and beating up people. No. Something else he's talking about. He's talking about an attitude. Attitude. You see, there is something which opposes us. Even when you, if, when we, um, see sports people, no? One of the things that, um, they talk about, uh, Rafael Nadal, I mean, he's one of, he's the, he's the most decorated a tennis player now, currently. What they say about him is that he's a fighter. I like that word, fighter. He fights. He doesn't give up easily. Okay. I, I, one of the, you have, if, you have, if you have to see many of his matches, most of his matches were marathons. Marathons. I mean, he just literally grinds his, op, grinds his opponent. He will return every ball to the best of his ability. So if you have to win a point against Rafa, you have to win it twice or at least three times for one point. And even if he loses the point, if Rafa loses the point, he has this uncanny ability to forget it immediately and he goes to the next point. So he says, you want the trophy? 
You know what he says? Over my dead body. That's his attitude. Fight. We like those people, no, when they fight. I mean, when you play sport, especially when you're playing something, it's like an individual sport, no? What do you say? You want to pep yourself, he says, come on, fight, fight, no? So the, the only way to get to the price is there is a fight that goes on. What are you fighting against? There's something which, which is there inside of us which blocks our progress. That is what we are to fight against. I'm going to talk about that today. This particular verse, violent violence occurs um, in the New Covenant twice. Luke's Gospel chapter 16 verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been what? I love that again. Preached. I mean, there's a teaching in the kingdom of God, but you know what? Primarily, the kingdom of God is established in our lives through preaching. And then it says, kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is what? Is pressing, and the word is, willing to suffer violence into it. There is only one way to get into this kingdom and to advance into the kingdom of God is the willingness to suffer. It's, in, it's, it's interesting. The Bible says, um, if you do not have the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to him. What is that? If you, if you do not have the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to him. And what is the spirit of Christ, essentially? It says in First Peter chapter 1, it says, the spirit of Christ was prophesying to the prophets, declaring what manner of sufferings that Christ had to go through before he would enter into his glory. So the spirit of Christ is essentially the willingness to suffer. And if you're not willing, if you're not willing to suffer, suffer. If you, if you were there yesterday, um, the four SS plus one W, SSSSW. That's what, no, no, SSSST, four SS and T. Saved, sanctified, serve, suffer, give thanks. GT, okay, finally, okay. That is how GTC is born, right? Saved, sanctified, Serve, suffer, and give thanks in all situations. These are, these are the, essentially the, the crux of yesterday's teaching, if you were there, and if you were li- listening. So, the only way to advance is to press, to be willing to suffer. All those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus, what? Will be felicitated, no? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. What is that? Himsa. You know what Himsa means? Suffer. Pressing. So this is, this is the, this is the only way to advance in the kingdom of God. And what, what, what are the essential constituent elements that we have to fight for in our own lives is something which you want to look at. We'll go to that. Luke's Gospel chapter 13. I want to show you a few more verses before I go into today's teaching. Luke's Gospel chapter 13 and verse 22 onwards. It says, and he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then one said to him, after he was teaching, no? Miracles, everybody comes. Healings, everybody comes. Deliverance, everybody comes. Now, what is he doing here? Teaching. I mean, he found, found the response to teaching and he said, you know what? Lord, are there who are few who are saved? He was disappointed by the result. I mean, Jesus was never disappointed actually, you know. He would have been disappointed if you if, if wouldn't have taught. You should be disappointed for not doing what God asks you to do. Okay. You should be faithful in doing what God asks you to do and God will give the result. I mean, results are in God's hand, but 
Ultimately, Paul has to plant. Apollos has to water. Who gives increase? God. So he who plants and he who waters is nothing but God who gives increases everything. And therefore, 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 it is important for us to be faithful in what God has asked us to do. And what did he do? He just went on teaching. Preaching and teaching, of course. And he looked at the response. He said, Lord, what is this, Lord? The response to your miracles was fantastic. But when you're teaching, only few. You know what he said? Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many will try. Will seek to enter, but will not be able. See? Okay. Title to today's teaching us Strive Brethren is a neuter gender Okay, I wanted to say brothers but then I don't want people to get upset So brethren strive Strive First Corinthians chapter 4 verse 20 Right from the beginning What is the kingdom of God suffering? It suffers what? Violence and the violent take it by force. So what, what is essentially the constituent elements of the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? How do I define the kingdom of God? And if you want to look at, I mean, there's a huge subject, but Paul gives some cogent definitions of what the kingdom of God is. To know, understand, at least in some measure, what it means, look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. Easy to remember, 420, right? For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. New Living Translation kind of gives it a very good rendering. This is what it says. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of, what? Talk. It is living by God's power. Understand? What is it? It is living by God's power. So, First Corinthians chapter two. This is what this is what uh, Paul says in First Corinthians chapter two and verses four and five. This is what he says: "And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of what of spirit and of power, so that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God." So again, you. You have this word preaching over here. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is living by God's power. So there is an implication over here. What is the implication of this statement? For the kingdom of God is living by God's power. To please God. And if I have to advance in the kingdom of God, I have to live a life which is lived out in the power of God, right? That's essentially what it is. It means, at least this verse. But how do I access the king of this, this power? How do I access this power to live a life that pleases God? It's only one way. By implication. We cannot have access to the power of God. This is what I wrote. Until we submit to the rule of God. It's impossible. We cannot have access to the power of God until we submit to the rule of God. Okay, so that is a kingdom. Kingdom implies king. 
the rule of a king. And if I have to live a life, I mean, rather for the kingdom of God to increase in my life, there's one thing only. There's only one way. I have to increasingly allow areas in my life to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, of his word, and of his spirit. There's no other way. Otherwise, you cannot live out this life apart from God's power. If there's any other power, it is the power of your flesh and that is what what animates his witchcraft. And what animates the power of rebels is what? Witchcraft. That is the reason why it says in First Samuel chapter 15 verse 23, rebellion is as a sin of what? Witchcraft. There's only one way to access this power. To come under the headship and the... So what do we fight? We fight coming under. What should we fight? We should fight the rebel and put him under. Or rather don't put him under. Execute him every day. Ex- there is only one, one solution for rebels. You know what it is? Execution. Execution. That's a fight. Why, why, why many, many of us struggle? <laughs> why don't we live out the kingdom of life? Kingdom, kingdom life is because we refuse to surrender. How do you love your, love your wife? As Christ Jesus loved the church. Can you do it in your own strength? Impossible. So how do you live out that life? By coming under the headship of Jesus Christ. For the power of God to be released in your life, there is only one thing. Come under the lordship of of his son and of his word and of his spirit. There is no other way. That's exactly what we fight. We fight it. We fight that spirit inside of, I mean, whatever, authority we despise. Because we are living in a generation which is like that. So, Jesus Christ was the, was the pattern son. Look at what it says about Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Who was with him? God was with him. And God anointed Jesus, anointing by the Holy Spirit and with power. He came under. Look at what it says about Jesus. One of my most, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible now. This is, I love it. Why? Because God himself Submits himself to commands. Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 10. Verse 17. This is Jesus. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life and I take it again. The white, the word for life is soul. Okay? Soul. My will, my emotions and my mind. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of myself. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to pick it up again and look at the next word, next point, next uh, word. This what? Command. Who received command? Jesus received command. Can you believe it? Jesus is God. He gives commands. That's what we think. Jesus is God. He received a command from his father. 
and he was submissive to that one command. And because he was submissive to that one command, that is the reason why the Bible says, the head of Christ is God. And he submitted himself to his father. And because he submitted himself to his father, the power of God flowed through him. The power of God. That is the reason that the Bible says God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and with power. When he went into the waters of baptism and when he came up, came out, it says, he asked John, he said, permit it now because we have to fulfill. It is befitting for us to fulfill what? All righteousness. And when he came out of the waters of baptism, what came upon him was the Holy Spirit. And it says it abode upon him. Like a dove, it came and abode upon him and he continued in that power for the rest of his life. Okay, so you want power? You want power? There is only one way. To have the power of God in your life is by submitting to his authority. So if you have to grow in the kingdom of God, you have to put to death that rebel every day. There is no other go. Every day. Matthew chapter 16, we'll come to the... uh, how do we do that in practical ways? And I'll show you. Okay. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 onwards. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and what? Suffer. Nobody likes it, right? And be killed and be raised. Then Peter took him aside. Sorry. Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. This is the wisdom of the devil, right? But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And then he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Pick up his cross. And follow me. For whoever desires to save his life, this word again, his soul. Jesus laid down his life. So what what do we do? We also, what? Lay down our life. That is the reason why it says in Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. They overcame whom? The devil. By the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. Not, doesn't stop there. And they did not love their lives even unto the death. So that is the reason why the preaching of the cross is foolishness. To those who are perishing. But unto us who are being saved. It is the power of God. So if you want to have the power of God to be made manifest in our lives, there's only one way. Only one way is to put that rebel every day to death. And he's there inside each one of us. Therefore, what is important? Preaching of the word is paramount. Declaring God's word is paramount. Where there is no preaching of the word, There is no genuine salvation. Where there is no preaching of the the word, there is no genuine repentance. Where there is no preaching, I am talking about the word. Okay, This is not diluted or anything. This is the word in all its purity. Uncompromised word. Bible says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That is the only way. To save souls, it is a preaching. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached. And what is, why is preaching so important? Look at what it says in Titus chapter 1. I'll, this is again, if you read Titus, if you, one of the things that you should read Titus is that when you read the book of Titus, you'll see it's one commander giving orders to his soldier. Okay. It's like, you know, you're, 
you are in attention mode and is giving you orders as to how to fight the battle. Look at what Paul says to Titus. Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's select and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness. There is a truth which accords with godliness. And then it goes on. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time, how did he manifest his word? Manifested his word through what? Through preaching. So what is, what is attacked the most? Preaching. Who is attacked the most? Preachers. You see? <laughs> it's not a coincidence. Preaching, that is the reason why Charles Spurgeon's famous, um, I think not Charles Spurgeon, it's Martin Lord Jones' book. Preaching and Preachers. You should read that book. What a book. The most attacked Institution, I mean, in in any place is the preaching. You see the entire world system is against the preaching of the word of God. It's against that. Don't preach. We have that song by Madam Madonna. Papa don't preach. Manifested his word. The entire world system is against that. So preaching and preachers, the word of God is manifested through preaching and therefore what we should do, we should guard preaching and we should guard preachers. Okay, Understand that. I'm just giving you something very important for our lives. You see, the enemy tries its, his level best to undermine the integrity of the preacher by, by raising up slanderers and gossipers within the kingdom of God against the preacher so that they, they will undermine the word. That comes from the pulpit. So you have what? You have a veil and you are not able to see. You are not able to understand the word. Why? Because preaching and preachers both are attacked. Understand this. Let's let's go a, a, a little more ahead and try to find out how this kingdom of God is manifested in our lives and what should we fight for? What should we strive for? As I said... The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but is a matter of power. New Living Translation says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of just mere talking. It is living a life through God's power, right? So what is the manifestation? What is the end result of this in our lives? Is something which we have to look at. So let us look at a a, a little more clearer definition of uh, what the kingdom of God is. Romans chapter 14 verse 17. This is what we know this verse very well. We sing the song. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. I like that. What is not? Eating and drinking. Okay? All Telugus? Important, no? Okay. <laughs> not eating and drinking. But, what is it? Righteousness, peace, and joy. So, Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 will say, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So if we have to grow in the kingdom of God, we have to be spiritual, we have to strive for three things. What are the three things? Righteousness, peace, and joy. You see, righteous, this is one of the most important things. I like this word, righteousness again. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So what do we fight for? For the increase of righteousness in my life. 
What do we fight for? The increase of peace in my life. What do I fight for? The increase of what? Joy in my life. It's not, it's not just uh, uh, enough for us to sing this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. Oh, how do we get that joy though? How do we really sing from the, from the depths of our heart? And how? In fact, you should really fight for joy. You know that? You have to strive for joy. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you forgot. And again I say, rejoice. It's joy in the Holy Spirit. Unspeak joy unspeakable. First Peter chapter 1. Even though you do not see him, you still love him and are filled with joy unspeakable which is full of glory. I can never understand that, 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 that particular verse. It's one of the most difficult words for me to even grasp. Unspeakable. So we have to fight for righteousness. We have to fight for peace. We have to fight for joy. I mean, they sound like oxymorons. How do we fight for peace? Hmm? How do we fight for joy? All depends upon how do you deal with what? Righteousness. See, if you read the book of Romans, the central theme of the book of Romans is one thing. You know what it is? The righteousness of God. Hmm? And in the end result of having and being clothed by the righteousness of God is Romans 8 verse 1 which says, there is therefore now no condemnation. So if you are, the practical outworking of being clothed with the righteousness of God is that you do not have what? Condemnation. You know, why many believers are, are without joy? Is, is, you know why? Because they have not the assurance. They are people who are walking in condemnation and guilt. And that comes because of unconfessing most of the time. So righteousness, this is one of the most important things. So how do I grow in righteousness? How do I fight for righteousness? Let's look at the first thing. Righteousness. Three elements. Righteousness first. Second is peace. And third is joy. Do never forget the order. The first thing is righteousness. First things first. And therefore, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who what? Hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. They shall be satisfied. A lot of people hunger for power. For miracles. For so many things but not righteousness. So let us see how righteousness comes into our lives. How do we fight for this righteousness? How do we strive for this righteousness? To increase in our lives. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 14. Look at what it says. Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands afar. For truth is fallen and equity cannot enter. The four characters. I mean, it's as if they're all personalities. <laughs> what is that? Justice is, wants to come. Turn back. Okay. Righteousness, I don't want to go there. You should, you should imagine characters. I don't want to go there. Why? Truth is dead. And equity, Mr. Equity cannot enter. He's coming, wanting to come in, he can't enter. Four characters. Justice, he wants to enter into your life. Therefore, one of the things you, you see, what, what is happening over here? If you judge yourself based upon the truth, what enters is 
equity because iniquity is taken away. And the end result is what? Righteousness. That is the formula. Okay, understand this once again. Okay. If you judge yourself based upon the truth that you hear and remove iniquity from your life so that equity can enter in, what is the end result? Righteousness. Righteousness. That is the formula. If I have to grow in righteousness in my life, what should I do? I should judge myself, not my neighbor, not my wife, not my children, not my boss, not my pastor, not my brother in the brother in the Christ. I have to judge myself based upon truth so that iniquity has been purged and the end result of it is the righteousness of God in my life. See? That is the reason why preaching comes, becomes paramount. You know why? Because in preaching, what do you have? Truth. Truth is upheld. The standards of God are upheld. This is the standard of God. I told, it is said, that thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say, if any man lusts after a woman with his, in his heart, he has already what? Committed adultery with her. That is truth. The Bible says, it is said that you should not kill your neighbor. But I say, if you are angry with your brother without a cause, you have already murdered him in, his, in your heart. Upholding, upholding of the truth. Upholding of the truth. What, is that, what happens? When you judge yourself based upon the truth that you hear, equity enters in and the end result is you have Righteousness and therefore, therefore, Bible says in Romans chapter 2 verse 2, but we are sure that the judgment of God is what? Is what? According to truth. One of the most important principles of judging yourself is judging, judging yourself based upon the truth that you hear about yourself. And that is the reason why the Bible says in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, it says God sent them a strong delusion because they did not receive the love of truth in their lives. And God sent it. God sent a strong delusion. God sent a lying spirit in, and he, he became a spirit in this, in the mouth of his prophet so that he deceived Ahab. You see, very important. Therefore, we have to love truth. Whatever may be our personal struggles, my dear brothers and sisters, it, you, we should say, Lord, I want to listen to it. just not the truth. Because I know when I receive truth, and when I humble, humble myself, when I receive the truth, you will also give me grace to appropriate the truth in my life. Because there is therefore no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ. So, this is the new covenant principle. What should you do? Judge yourself based upon the truth so that what enters in? Equity enters in. And what will I be? What will, what will I have at the, at the result of it? At the end result is righteousness. So let us say it all together, okay? Okay? Judge myself. Let's repeat that. Based upon the truth that I hear, so that iniquity is purged, equity enters, and the result is righteousness. Kya baat hai? Okay? Keep that in your mind. Hmm? So that is the precept. But let us look at a pattern. Hmm? How does this happen? You know, everybody likes story, you know? So let us look at one story. In the Bible, and one of my very favorite characters, Samuel always be ready with the answer. He knows it. Who it is? Who had righteousness as an end result of judging truth severely. 
I mean, judging himself severely or judging falsehood or lies severely based upon the truth that he heard. Let us see that man. Psalm 106 and verse 28 onwards, okay? Let's read this carefully. They joined themselves, this is the children of Israel, also unto Baal pure. Baal means master and pure. Pure means compromiser, basically. And ate the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions. I like that. Hmm? You should see uh, one of the <laughs> results of a debased mind. <laughs> you know what the result of a debased mind? Inventors of evil. They invent evil things. In other words, today they will go to the laboratory. Give me smart ideas how to do evil. That is inventor. Okay. Inventor of evil. So they invented with their inventions, they provoked them to Hagar and what happened? The plague break upon them. Why? Because of, because what? Because they provoked Jesus to or God to anger. And then what happened? Then stood up. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Phineas. What did he do? <laughs> then stood up Phineas and he executed judgment. I, I told you. You have to execute judgment based upon the truth that you know is true. This is true. This is false. I have to take a stand. You know, this is what it, I like this word. Then stood up Phineas. He stood up. He said, this is not what I have been taught. This is not the nature of God. This is not the truth about God. He stood up. And what did he do? He executed judgment. And as a, as a result of it, what happened? So the plague was stopped. But not only that, and that was counted to him for what? Righteousness. For all generations. In other words, for us also. For all generations. Then executed. He executed judgment. You see, the principle is this. There's justice which is turned back. Why? Because truth has fallen into the ground. But what should you do? Truth has to rise up. Phineas stood. And what did he do? He executed judgment. And what came in? Equity. What is the end result? Righteousness. It's a fight. So how did he do it? How did Phineas execute judgment? I love the word Phineas. Okay, I have so many, no, in my, in my, in my school I have met so many Phineas's, no. Phineas is a fantastic name nowadays. Not Hoffney and Phineas. This Phineas, I had to, I had to tell, ask my Phineas, which Phineas? Hoffney and Phineas or Phineas? Phineas is son of Eliezer, sir. Son of Eliezer, very clear. Hmm? Not the Phineas, the son of Eli. <laughs> Phineas, the son of Eliezer, Eliezer, a type of the Holy Spirit. Phineas is the one who is born of the Holy Spirit. A type of Christ and a type of a person who is in Christ. Now let me tell you what the word Phineas means. Actually, if you look at the Hebrew lexicon, Phineas means the person who has got a mouth of brass. What? Mouth? Mouth of brass. No, mouth signifies what comes out of your mouth. What comes out of your mouth? Where does it come from? Brass signifies what? Judgment. The person who speaks because he has judged his heart. That's what Phineas means. No, that is mouth of brass. But it comes from two words. Pene and Nakash. You know what Nakash means? The serpent. 
Pene means the one who had as, has a double-edged sword in his mouth and he has broken the pea into pieces, the work of the serpent. Okay, what did he do? He has a double-edged sword in his mouth and he has broken into pieces the work of the serpent. He has judged the serpent in his heart. Okay, he has judged the serpent in his heart and therefore he becomes what? Fene has, fene nakash, nakash means the serpent, the shining one. The lies, the serpent spirit, the twisted nature inside of him. He is the believer who is in Christ. But who is the original Phineas? Remember? If you see the bronze altar, you will be saved. And you know what Jesus says? Just as Moses made the bronze altars to stand up in the wilderness, everyone who looks into the Son of Man will be saved. He is the one who disarmed the principalities and the power of darkness. He is the original Phineas. Phineas. The one who destroyed the work of the devil. And that is the reason why it says, this. for this reason, the Son of Man is manifested so that he might what? He might what? Destroy the works of the evil one. Phineas. What does Phineas do? He executes judgment. So what, what does a person who's in Christ do? He also executes judgment based upon the truth that he hears so that all the iniquity in his life is purged and the end result is righteousness. So how does he do that? How does he do that? I like this word generation. Generation, Greek word, genome. DNA. Okay, first of all, our spiritual DNA has to change. Okay, you have to be first born again. Say that everybody. I must be born again. Say that everybody. Okay, now if everybody who has the confidence, I have been born again. Can you say that? Sure. Very sure, no? Very, very sure, no? Very sure. Some people are required. I don't know, Pastor. Okay. You sure? You very sure? So, see, why are you in this church? You have to make us sure about us. No, 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 no. We have to make sure you're safe first. Otherwise, we'll be asked on the day of judgment. People who are not saved in a congregation, they came nicely and they thought they were saved, but they were never saved. Hmm? Very important. You have to be born again. You have to be born of what we call as the imperishable seed. The other translation uses the word, the incorruptible seed, the incorruptible, the indestructible seed, the very word of God. And therefore it says the Bible, the person who is born of God cannot sin because his seed remains in him. Understand? Therefore receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. When will you do that? Because of his own will, he has begotten you again by the word of truth. James chapter 1 verse 18. Be sure that you're born. Be sure that you're a man who's in Christ, a woman who's in Christ, the girl or a boy who is in Christ. For the person who is in Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And if you are a person who is in Christ, one of the things that you long for is the sincere milk of the word of God. What is what, what do you long for? Sincere milk. Not insincere milk. Anything is the word of God, sir. That's what I told you. So many, so many times I have to tell you. Donkey milk is there. Cow milk is there. Anything is milk, no, sir? Anything milk? 
One of the things that you will desire, I want the word, the pure, undiluted word of God. You will desire for it. So that you will grow in your salvation. And how do you do that? You put away all malice, all evil speaking, all deception, all hypocrisy, and you will begin to desire the pure milk of the word of God so that you can grow up in your salvation. Why? Even as you receive the word of God, what are you receiving? The truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Okay? That is okay. But how should you judge yourself? Based upon the truth. Because the judgment of God is according to what? According to truth. According to truth. See, the, the five principles in which God judges. So that is how you ought to judge, not your neighbor. You should love your neighbor. What should you do? Love your neighbor. Judge yourself. Say that. I should love my neighbor. Say that. Say that. I should love my neighbor, judge myself. Ah, very important. Because first of all, you have to take away the what in your eye? Plank. Huge plank is there. Hey, hello. You have a mole. Hey, forget about the mole. Look at the plank. Understand this. Love your neighbor, judge yourself. So what do we do? <laughs> we judge our neighbor, love ourselves. That's a problem. <laughs> Full ulta. <laughs> in the kingdom, people in the kingdom of God, their, their entire mind system, I mean their value systems is, is warped. We judge our neighbor, love ourselves. Kya baat hai? Love your neighbor. Judge yourself. And when you keep judging yourself, you will be able to love your neighbor more. You know why? You know why? When you judge yourself, you'll know how merciful God is to you. You will say, Lord, wretched sinner, Lord, wretched sinner. That brother, he's much, much, his, his categories of sin are so low. My sin, Lord, oh my sin. And that is the reason why the one person who says, who sang that song, no? Uh, it is well with my soul. You know what he says? My sin, my sin, oh the bliss of that glorious thought. Look at this, look at this, look at this, okay? My sin, oh the bliss of the glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. His eyes are absolutely on God and he is thanking God for what he has done. Look at what Pranit was leading when he was leading his worship, leading worship was saying, you know, 10 years since the day that the Lord saved me, I know what a wretched sinner I was. You know what happens? When you know how much of mercy that you receive from the Lord, you will not judge. You will have also mercy. That is the reason why the Bible says, judge yourself constantly based upon truth. So how did you do it? Let us look at the narrative. Hmm? Numbers chapter 25 for the 250th time. Okay, Let us read from a few verses from Numbers chapter 25. Now Israel remained in Acacia Groove and the people began to commit harlotry. With a woman of Moab. See? So many things happening over here. What do they do? They committed harlotry. Harlotry means idolatry. Spiritual adultery. Okay. How did it start? It started with a... What is that? Ah, invitation. It starts with an invitation. I have been invited to a P-A-R-T-Y party. I have been invited to a temple, which is IMAX. I'm saying it's a temple only, no? Because, because, 
Anything you receive with prayer and thanksgiving is sanctified. Right? So what do you have? Pepsi. What do you have? Popcorn. Lord, I received this movie in the name of Jesus. Sanctify this movie. And suddenly one Ganesha will come like that. It has been already given to, <laughs> given to the devil. So what are you doing? Eating food sacrificed to idols. So, if I, IMAX is a temple, what are all the people who are standing outside the box office? Devotees. What are they waiting for? Darshan. <laughs> Thank you. I got that from you, okay? <laughs> they're waiting for Darshan. <laughs> okay. They're waiting for that Darshan. It is, it is an invitation. See, how we enjoyed, no, all these things in our, in our, in our early days. Ideas went into our minds. Now it's so difficult for us to get rid of those ideas. It's impossible. It is impossible for you to go into a movie and just come out, just entertain. It was just an entertainment. No, 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 no. You'll forget all the good parts and you will only remember the evil part. You know that? It's impossible. Because it's got an impression. It just makes an impression in your mind. And you struggle with it for the rest of your life. So they invited the people to the sacrifice of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So the anger. So Israel was joined to Baal of Pure. They were supposed to be joined to the Lord. And what did they do now? They joined themselves to idols. I'm telling you something. If you are not joined to God, you will be joined to something else. It is impossible for you, be to, for you to be simultaneously be joined to the Lord. That's the reason why it says, the person who is joined to God is one spirit with him. One spirit. It's impossible. It is impossible, impossible, impossible for you to have acquaintances that are of, of, of the other, um, whatever, no, of something who is outside the faith and still be joined to God. It's impossible. It's impossible. Because the Bible says, he who joins himself to a harlot is one flesh. There's a demonic transaction that has already taken place over there. Why do you think Solomon was vexed in his spirit? Because he had demonic transactions with 900 women. 900. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. What is this? What is he talking about? How did this happen? What is the new covenant equivalent? What is it? What is the lesson in the new covenant? This is what it says in Revelation chapter 2. Verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamon. Write these things. Look at how Jesus introduces himself. You know what? He introduces himself as Phineas. Why? What does he have? He has a sharp sword in his mouth. I told you, right? Phine means the one who has a sharp sword and he has broken into pieces the work of the serpent. That's what it means. Phinehas means. Verse 13. I know your works and where you dwell. Where, has, where, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my, uh, deny my faith. Even in the days in which Antipas, my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Goes on. But I have a few things against you. 
because thou hast thou hast there then that hold what the doctrine of balam who taught balak to cast stumbling block before the children of israel to do what to to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit what fornication no you will ask brother i don't commit idolatry neither do i commit fornication i'm very kosher let me tell you what the essence of fornication is what is the spiritual essence of fornication what is fornication in god's sight this is what fornication is hebrews chapter 12 verse 16 the person who commits fornication is a or fornicator okay if you know now what is it noun or verb just we have to we have to go back okay <laughs> lest there be any fornicator or a profane person like who isa now who is a fornicator who for one morsel of food what did he sell his birthright exactly double portion what is the double portion the double portion of the spirit the right of the firstborn was a double portion of the anointing so what is who is a fornicator who is a person who commits fornication who has no interest in the double portion anointing he has no interest in the things of the spirit at all he sold to the things of this world that is the reason why it says the wisdom which is from below it is first what earthly it is soulish or sensual and finally it is what demonic so fornicator is a person who does not value spiritual things interesting isn't it what your pastor was telling yesterday to all the people in the pastors conference you know what he says when you go to a movie theater what do we do switch off the lights i want to concentrate on the screen switch off the phone and if the phone rings hey i'm just going to that's what he say right yeah okay fine okay some some of you are like nodding yes yes uncle yes yes they disturb me okay here yes, switch why we do not, we want undivided attention i do not want to even miss those days when i used to go to sangeet theater i want to go much ahead of time i don't want to miss trailers you know remember those are the days you don't know i mean you 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 have you have graduated to something else nowadays you have graduated to netflix and prime video etc those days we had to go and much ahead of time i told you no it is not people don't want to come ahead of time uh, for a for a, for the church they don't have the same kind of interest that they have for movies what is the craze in, in andhra first day first show when will you book much much before time and you will get the seat that seat that seat i should not nobody should occupy that seat so you will book that seat on whatever that what is that now it's called what is the website huh book my show book my show will you book your seat no 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 i will book the, i will go there balcony see we are very 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 careful right when we want to enjoy a movie enjoy a word adhe cheptunava how many times did you watch one, one movie tell me which like which you like them a lot how many times did you watch huh how many times did you watch matrix i watched to 20 i mean to 25 times is a conservative number i reviewed it several times why oh no 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 you should same message you're preaching uh, 
Oh, same movie you watched so many times? Are you? How is it possible? I saw DDLJ 250 times. You watch Dilwale. The original Dilwala is there. These are all bevafas. Bitters. You see? That is a, this is our attitude. You see, we don't have interest, my dear brothers. That is the reason why it says in Jeremiah chapter 6, how can I teach these people knowledge? They have uncircumcised ears. They have uncircumcised ears. In Telugu, it's very interesting. Siddha patu leni chavulu. Uncircumcised ears. What is circumcision a symbol of? Of separation, of cutting off. Understand this. The essence of fornication, of essence of a of, of fornicator is a person who has no interest in spiritual things and he is willing to sell his birthright, the double portion anointing for a, for a, for a morsel of bread. What is that? For venison, for lentil soup, for sambar. If, if I have to put it in crude terms. Vijay Takota. For sambar. Finished, gone. The Talimpu was so powerful. The Tadaka. Finished. Understand this. So think about it. How much do you desire? That is the reason why blesser art you if you hunger and thirst after righteousness. And let me, tell you, let me tell you something. If you hunger and thirst after the things of this world, it is impossible for you to have a hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's impossible. It's impossible. So what? How does it go? Goes on to say in Revelation chapter two. Therefore, what should you do? Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and fight against you with what? With the? I will become a phineas in your life now, fellows, with the sword of my mouth. Mm-hmm. You see, I, I like, I, I, I like what Pastor, Pastor James said some sometime back in the in the morning prayers. He said. In the, in the seven churches, only two churches God has some commendations to give. And it's interesting that those are the only two churches which are fighting against Satan. And all the other five churches are fighting who? Huh, don't tell me. They're fighting God. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I was stunned. I said, what? Isn't it true that most believers are not fighting Satan? Including me, I'm not, when I say most believers, I'm including myself. Okay, don't say, oh, you're holy. No, 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 I'm including myself. No, it's true. So that is the reason why the repentance is for the soul. Because the soul is a rebel. And to those five churches, he has one admonition, repent quickly. He tells the Laodicean church, be zealous and repent. Repent from, from where you have fallen. I have given opportunity and time for that person to repent. He tells the church, which is tolerating the doctrine of Jezebel. Of her repent of her fornication. I gave her time. But she did not. Repent. Repentance is something. Let me tell you. When you are born again, you are made alive in the spirit. What are you? You are made alive in the spirit. The spirit is birthed, is born again. It's made alive. You know what, what has happened to the soul? The soul has to be slaughtered. Because he's a rebel. So the soul has to repent, therefore. He has to humble himself. He has to be reconciled to God because that soul was a rebel. He wanted to have a life apart from God. So he has to come back to God in repentance. 
So many of us are fighting God. Many of us, I'm telling you something. My dear brothers and sisters, it is a fact that most of us, we are not fighting Satan, we are fighting God. We are fighting God because we do not want it. We do not want to change. Because it's going to cost us. And the problem is, the Bible says, if you love your life, you will actually lose it. See, I'm not, you need to understand, in, in, from the pulpit, there's no pointing of fingers. That's what I'm saying. You have to love your neighbor, judge yourself. I have to judge myself. Am I fighting God? Or am I fighting the devil? If God be for us, oh, that is a very fa- powerful statement. Is God for you? Or against you? God resists the proud. You know what that word resist means? He is having an army against you. The entire heavenly host have, have a battle formation against you. Understand this. So, so how does Phineas tackle this problem? Let's see. Then the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders. Boy, let me tell you something. This is how much God hates sin. See, Derek Plimps made a powerful statement. He said, if anyone could commend sin to God, it could have been Jesus. Okay, okay. If anyone could recommend sin to God, this is sin. God, will you accept him? If anybody could say that, it could have been Jesus. You know what? What happened? When the sin of the entire world was put upon Jesus, even God did not look at his own son. He poured his entire wrath upon him. That's how much he hates sin. That's how much he hates him. He cannot tolerate it. You see, he loves us so much that he has to judge sin in order to reconcile us to himself. It's impossible otherwise. He did not spare. He did not say, it is my son, no, leave him, no. Ayo, my son. He did not say. He did not say that. The moment Jesus became the sin, he who did not know sin became sin for us so that we, through him, in him, can be the righteousness of God. How does, how was that possible? Because the wrath of God was poured upon his son. And that is the reason why we sang that song. The wrath of God was satisfied when upon him every, every, every sin was laid. How can you stop loving a savior like this? How can we? How can you stop? How, how can we stop praising him? That's the reason why Martin Luther said, did we in our own strength confide, our striving will be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Does ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Shabaoth is name, and age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And then he says, and then he says, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his dome is sure. One little word shall fell him. One little word is over. The entire condemnation and the accusation of the evil one was taken 
by him on the cross, he did not spare his son. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8. You have to, listen, you have to read these verses with these, things, with these thoughts in your mind. What shall we say of these things? This is verse 31 onwards. If God is for us, who can be against us? How come God became for us? How, how, how did he become for us? Because he did not spare his son. God is for us because he did not, because he did not spare his son. He delivered, delivered uh, uh, him up for us all. He gives us all things. How can he give us all things? Because he did not spare his son. God is for us because he did not spare his son. He gives us all things because he did not spare his son. Nobody can come, nobody can lay against a charge against God's elect because he did not spare his son. Who, who can condemn because he did not spare his son? He is making intercession for us because he did not spare his son. Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine separate us from the love of Christ because he did not spare his son. Nothing can separate from the love of Christ. You see that? Understand this? So what is true repentance? What is true repentance? True repentance is when we have come to a realization as to what my sin did to God. You know, many people, oh, yo, look at my life because of my sin, all these consequences in my life and they cry because of the consequences. They are never worried and concerned about the hurt that they have caused God. Look at what it says. This is Charles Finney. We have not come to true repentance when we merely look at the consequences of our sin but have a vision of what our sins have done to God. That is when true repentance happens. So what happens? When look, God looks at this evil thing that is going on, you know what he says? Hang those fellows on the tree. This is what I do with sin. I will not spare it. I will not spare. So how does Phineas deal? Look at what it says in Numbers chapter 25. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brother a Midianite woman. Look at this. This is the gift. It's like this, no? Brother, I watched this movie. <laughs> DVD, Munchikumundi movie, okay? Watch it. That is old days. DVD, CD they used to give and share. Or they used to give us, give it as presents. Now what, what, now what, what do they do? They give you a prime movie account number. I'm sharing my login ID and password, okay? Enjoy movie, present. Amazon account, present. Netflix account, present. And what did this fellow do? Look at the brazenness of these guys. He gave this present of, of this Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You know what sin does? If you continue to indulge in sin, it gives you boldness. You don't even care now anymore. You don't care. You don't care. You don't have the fear of God anymore. It's gone. You openly flaunt your sin. I mean, that's what our world has come to. They openly flaunt it. The people are... I mean, humor is no longer humor anymore, no? Openly flaunt. The profanity people use. The choicest of words. I mean, I mean, in, in my colony the other day, a few few weeks back, no, 
children, fifth graders and fourth graders fighting with each other. You should see the language that they use. I'm not even sure if that fellow understands what he's saying. He says it anyway. They don't care. They openly flaunt it. And people are weeping on the other side for their sin, but this guy is is gone. Look at this. This is where I, I, I like how Phineas deals with this. Now Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. Moses is sitting and weeping. The elders are weeping. And Phineas is looking at Moses. Weeping. This guy, Moses is not doing anything. Eldership is not doing anything. What am I supposed to do now? He arises. Sorry, I can't tolerate this. What did he take? He took a javelin. And he went after the man of the tent of, of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through. The man of Israel and the woman through. Her body. When this is a scene that you have to imagine this, okay? Just imagine this. Moses, everybody at the tent of meeting weeping. Phineas looks at him and he says, I'm not going to tolerate this young man. He's a very young fellow. He's going to be the high priest later on. He becomes the high priest. Zadok, by the way, is of the line of Phineas. Okay? Understand that. Zadok means the priesthood of righteousness. Okay? Because... They are all, all descendants, of, descendants of Phineas and therefore we also in the new covenant have to be okay, what is that? Royal priesthood, no? What kind of a priesthood? This priesthood. And so the plague was stopped among the children of Israel and those who died in the plague were 24,000 men. So, so the wages of sin among the children of God is what is that? Death. Okay, understand this. So what, what is he doing now? What did he do? What did Phineas do? He did two things. First, he thrust the man and the woman, both. Let us see whom did he do this to. Let's move on. Now, the name of the man who was killed in the with the Midianite woman was Zimri. What's his name? Zimri. Okay. Very smallish name. Okay. Zimri. Okay. Okay. Zimri. And then, Zim- Zamar means music. Zimri means my music. My song. My music. He's a leader of the, fa- of the fathers of the house among the Simeonites. And then, and the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby. She was the daughter of Sur, the head of the people of the fathers of the house of Midian. Cosby means lie. Zimri means music. Zimri is the action. Cosby is the reason. So what did Phineas do? He killed the action and the lie. There's another fellow who's hiding over here. What's this fellow's name? Sur. Dangerous fellow. 
So in order for you to be a person who is of the order of the priesthood of, I mean priesthood of meaning, if you want to have righteousness in your life, two things you have to deal with. You have to deal with the symptom as well as the what? Cause. And you know what is the cause? The ultimate expression is what? Zimri. Music. Music is essentially a form of art. You know, the first lesbian song was written by a woman from a poet from a city called Lesbos in Greek. And she wrote a song, poetry, which was fantastic poetry describing her lesbian lover. What is that? Zimri. My song. Based upon what? A lie. So unless until you deal with this lie, this will keep on happening. Problem is, people deal with this, they never deal with this. That is the reason why what is important is preaching. Sanctify them by the what? What has happened in the camp of Israel? Truth has fallen. Lies stood up. Truth has fallen. Even Moses is like, you know what? It's very difficult to tackle with the spirit. Even Moses is, I don't know what to do. Look at what it says in First Peter chapter 4. The spirit clearly says that in latter times, someone will, some will abandon the faith. Why will they abandon the faith? They will follow what? Deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Doctrines of demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical what? Cosby's. Cosby. There are Cosby's over here. That is the reason why what I, that's what I told you. The kingdom, the word of God is manifested through what? Through preaching. And what is attacked? Preaching. Understand this. So you will never be able to tackle a sin in your life, the manifestation of the sin in your life, unless until you deal with the lies that empower your sin. You need to understand that. It's a very important principle in the kingdom of God. It's a very important principle. We'll come to that a little later. How does it happen? Second Timothy chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom uh, and his kingdom I give you this charge or this command. What is the command? Preach the word. What should you do? What did I say? Preach, preach. You see that? Preach. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Why? 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 Next verse. Because a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They will not like sound teaching. What will, what will they do? Instead, to suit their own desires. That is Zimri. My song. You know, the most important things. I mean, if you look at uh, music. Music, even in Christian music, very lit, very few songs in the modern days are truly spiritual songs, which are inspired by the Spirit of God. This is all my music. Very, very few, very few songs. Very few songs have cross. Very few songs have surrender. Very few songs have true theological or rather doctrinal backing up. The very, very few songs are inspired from the word. They are only inspired from the part of the word which they like. 
not complete. See that? What will they do? Instead, to suit their own desires. What is that? They already have a desire in their heart. I want to go to this place. What will I'm, I'm, for example, let's say, I want to go to, let's say, one country in Europe for, to study. Give me, give me, let's say, okay, I want to go to Sweden. Sweden. Hmm? Because, uh, Raksha is in Sweden, I also want to go to Sweden. Hmm? Swe- I want to go to Sweden. So what will I do? I've already decided. I didn't ask God. This is my desire. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to run from pillar to post to find a preacher who will say, it is okay for you to go to Sweden. You know what? Thus says the Lord, my dear brother, this time next year, according to the time of life, sorry, according to the time of visa, you will be in Sweden. We love that. I remember, I was coming back from Chennai, just in the night. From, we were coming back from Chennai, we were traveling in a, yeah, Chennai, in a train, and next to us was one preacher, and he asked us some question. I mean, he was, uh, he was there, he was sitting uh, next to the, uh, he was sitting in that side seat, right? Just got, got into a conversation, and I came to realize that that is a pastor. He immediately started praying. Lord, I pray for this brother next year. He should be in US of A. Remember at US of A? I'm like, no, 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 no. Immediately. I just came back from USFA. I don't want to go there. No. I don't want to go. Immediately. See, you will search. That is the reason why it says, if you approach a prophet with an idol in your heart, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to deceive the prophet first and he is going to answer you according to the idol in your heart and you will be confirmed in your destruction. You already decided what to do. own desires and what will they do they will not have one teacher they will have oh you see always you want majority on the see majority truth can stand by itself it can stand on its own that is the reason why it says Detan Korah Abiram what did they do excuse me what is that they took men why did you take men if you are true they always have to take men because they need somebody to, Ari, you're doing right. We are beside you. We are behind you. We are going to support you. God says, okay, fine. Come, you fellows. All your 250 censors, come. Aaron, write your name. All of you fellows, write your name. Get your censors and see who's going to be, whom I'm, whom I'm going to attest. You know what happened? Fire came from the presence of the Lord, consumed all the 250 fellows with, the, with their censer. I'm telling you, you approach God with a wrong spirit, you will be consumed. Wrong spirit. And what happened to Aaron's rod? It budded. Budded. Understand this. Wrong spirit. Great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. And if truth is fallen, what happens? You cannot judge yourself based upon the truth. What will not enter in is equity and there is no righteousness in your, in your life. Mm-hmm. I'm not teaching anything new. We already heard this so many times. 59.14 Isaiah. The problem is we don't want truth to be preached. We won't want to judge ourselves based upon truth. And then it says, for the time will come, they will not put up. Let's go on. 
Numbers chapter 25. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, harass the Midianites. First he has judged the sin, right? What should you do? Harass the Midianites. For they harassed you with their schemes. They seduced you with their wiles. In the matter of what? Cosby. So what did he do? Next verse. Numbers chapter 31. Moses sent them to war. 1,000 from each tribe. Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, with the holy articles and the signal, signal trumpets in his hand. And they warred against the Midianites, just as the Lord commanded Moses. And they killed all the males. And look at what it says. They killed the kings of Midian. The rest of those who were killed were Evi, Rekim, Ah, who's Zur? You know what the word Zur means? Support. What is he supporting? Lie. Cosby, the son, daughter of Zur. What does Zur means? Support. What is he supporting? Cosby. Who's Cosby? A lie. And who's supporting Zur? Teaching. You see? What is supporting this? Is a lie. Never. I mean, one of the things that you need to do, Lord, let me not build my life on lies. It will fall. Dig deep. Be sure it is a sure foundation, and it's not sure. Be sure it is sure. And you know what? Lord says about. Uh, Phineas. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath. Who turned back our uh, the wrath of God from our lives? Tell me. Jesus. Who's, a, who's Phineas then? A type of Christ. Right? And a, a type of a believer who's in Christ. From the children of Israel. Because he was zealous with my seal among them. So that I did not consume the children of Israel in my seal. Therefore, say, behold, I give to him my covenant of what? Of peace. The end result of righteousness is what ultimately? Of establishing righteousness in your life is what? Peace. Having been justified by faith, what do we have? We have peace. And then it goes on, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him, a covenant of an everlasting priesthood because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. That's exactly what Jesus did. He was zealous for God's name and he made atonement for us. Zealous for God's name and he made atonement for us. John's Gospel chapter 2. Look at what in the new covenant how our Jesus the Phineas is described. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went, into, went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and with the oxen and poured out the charges, uh, changes of money and overturned the tra- tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my house, father's house into a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, what? The zeal for your father's house consumed me. That is how righteousness is established. What do you do? What do you do? You kill not only the manifestation of sin, you kill the cause of the sin, and you kill the light, the, the, the base which supports the, supports the sin, which are lies. That is the reason why you should say, Lord, let me love truth with all of my heart. Let me love truth, even though my flesh hates it, but let my spirit not detest it. Let me love truth. So the first thing is righteousness. 
Second thing is what? Righteousness followed by what? Peace. Peace and join the Holy, Holy Spirit, right? So how do we, how do we get this peace? How do we get this peace? Let me show you how we get this peace. Okay. What is, what, where, where, where should this peace first be, uh, formed? Second Corinthians chapter 11 <clears throat> was for verse two. Okay. The same thing. I'm zealous. Okay. The same thing. Zealous. Okay. With a godly zeal. Same word. Zealous. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your what? Minds. Where should the peace be? In your mind. That is the reason why. Peace of mind. What is not? What is ledu? Peace of mind. Why is peace of mind? Ledu. Let me show you. Why is peace of mind ledu? Why is it not there? Isaiah 26 3. Thou wilt keep him in what? What peace? I love this word. You know what the word for peace is? Shalom. What is perfect peace? Shalom, shalom. Thank you so much. It's a double superlative. <laughs> I will keep him in perfect peace. What? Whose mind is stayed on him. Now the problem is this. You have been delivered from sin. But you have to walk in your deliverance. So how do you walk in your deliverance? Having peace. Why? How will you, how will you have peace? When your mind is stayed on him. What is mind being stayed on him? Let me show you. Luke's Gospel chapter 10. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. With what? With serving. With actually just not serving, with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you alone? Serve alone, therefore not serve you alone, serve, serve alone. I like that, okay? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. What's that? Sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his word. His mind is stayed on you. And what will happen to you? If you have the mind stayed on Jesus, what do you have? Perfect peace. Now think about it. How many demons did Martha have? You forgot, sorry. Mary have? Seven demons. She was perfectly possessed. Now what is happening? What is she having now? Perfect. Why? Because our mind is stayed on Jesus. Mind is stayed on God's word. That is the reason why we tell people, no, when you come to the preaching of the word of God, ask God for focus. Focus. I mean, I'm telling you, when I was in triplicity for eight years, the concentration of a batch after every year, first year, one and a half hour, one and a half hour class, they complained. Too much, sir. After one and a half hour, they have prostate problems, kidney problems, throat problems. Who's shouting? I'm shouting. Who's getting tired? They are getting tired. They don't, cannot concentrate. I'm telling, honestly, they cannot concentrate for more than 45 minutes. We are living in a generation which cannot tackle ideas and thoughts for more than 45 minutes. 
can't have focus. It's not that they don't want to have focus. They can. Oh, give them Xbox. If somebody comes and disturbs them for a minute, what they, you know what they will do? They will treat you as Menaka and their Vishwamitra. Unbelievable. They cannot focus. Pastors conference, you see, how many pastors struggle to sit in one place and listen. I'm telling you, you guys are <laughs> well trained. Even in our school, my wife started, uh, we, we have, we, are, uh, we have a school, she said, Vijay, uh, 9.15, we'll give them a break. One day I saw, I said, second day I saw, I said, you know what, don't give them a break, let's see what they will do. One hour over, two hours over, and suddenly one of the teachers really, sir, we do not take a break, I said, shh, don't say anything. You know what goes? Momentum goes. What goes? Momentum. I remember my boss when I take a vacation. Uh, Vijay, you are going for a Till I tell him that uh, I am going for a vacation, he is happy with me. He is very happy. We discuss, we go to chai, we have discussions, etc. on the table. Across the, across the chai, everything is happening. And then one day I go to him and say, sir, uh, actually I am taking a week off. Week off, Vijay. Initially, he will say, oh, okay, okay, no problem. You're taking week, okay. One after week, he'll be back, okay, okay. Then he will suddenly call me in the middle of the night. You know, honestly, 11:30, you'll get a call, Professor. Sir, uh, Vijay, you know what? I'm a little worried. We still haven't finished this. We still haven't finished this. We still haven't finished this. You know what? There'll be inertia after you go. When you go, after you come back, I think you'll be wasting 15 days by seven days vacation. Paper deadline is uh, March 31st. You are taking vacation now. What is going to happen? For us, <laughs> vacation means vacation, sir. No way. Vacate, oh yeah, mind be. No, no, that's what I am saying. New, new words people are conjuring up, no? Staycation, vacation. I have to wonder, what is this staycation and vacation? In other words, what is vacation means? You vacate Hyderabad, go to another place and sleep in a in a hotel. It's called vacation. You stay in Hyderabad and go to a hotel and sleep. It's called staycation. Shun is important. Whether you stay or vacate, we will not think. Mind ko rest chahiye. Who told you? The momentum goes. You know, sir. You. I'm not saying that you should not give relaxation to, to your body or anything of that sort, but there is not you should not you should not pamper your body too much. Children have had vacation for one week, one month. You know what happens? We have to do student orientation. What is that? Because they are disoriented. They are all over the place like this, like this. So we have to we have to say, come back, come back, come back, come back. 16, 16, 256. I'm sorry, what, I'm, that's a very tough question. Okay, 8, 8, sir, 64. <laughs> Come back. It is called, because it is students disoriented, now we have to. 
before we do student orientation we do we should do parent orientation because they are also disoriented now all over the place especially after covid everything is gone out of them they cannot sit my dear brothers but one of the things you have to teach your children allow them to stop their prostrate glance for a change control rather train them discipline them you will keep him in what kind of a peace perfect peace because his mind is stayed on and that's exactly what jesus had this un what is called indefatigable focus if i have to use that word tireless one thing one thing i have desired to dwell in the house of the lord forever and ever to inquire in his holy temple to, to see the to behold the beauty of the lord and to inquire in his temple one thing one thing i do forgetting the things which are which are behind and pressing forward i don't want to lose my momentum how do you know that a demoniac had peace in his life at gadarene you remember the demoniac of gadarene what was the what was the uh, the 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 effect of deliverance in his life look at what it says matthew chapter 5 mark chapter 5 verse 15 then they came to jesus and the, and saw the one who had been i love that word he who had been demon possessed once you were fornicators once you were adulterers once you were liars once you were thieves but now you have been sanctified you've been cleansed you've been purchased by the blood of jesus you know what what is happening to that guy sitting and clothed and in his what mind right mind listening How can you how many how many of you could really endure sound teaching for a while mm-hmm. One of the things we have taught I mean I can be proud of in our church sit and listen whether you like it or not okay That's what we have done made you practice so that you can focus on what is being said and taught You have to fight for that Philippians chapter 4 be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will garrison your hearts in the word for garrison actually the word is will become an empire this one should not be allowed this one should be allowed guard your hearts and minds you see that through christ jesus and then it goes on to say so how do you achieve that finally brothers whatever things are true i told you right whatever things are noble whatever things are just whatever things are pure whatever things are lovely whatever things are of good report if there is any virtue and if there is any praiseworthy thing meditate on these things think on these things the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me these do and when then what what will happen then the god of peace will be with you the first one therefore is righteousness second one is peace where is the peace in your mind and when will you have peace when your mind is stayed on god you will have what kind of peace not just ordinary peace perfect peace shalom shalom the last one joy in the holy spirit the kingdom of god is what righteousness second one is what it's peace you have to fight for righteousness you have to fight for concentration without getting distracted third joy in the holy spirit 
I like that. Joy is nowhere else but where? In the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says in Psalm 16. Understand, look at these verses very well, very closely, very closely, okay? Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life in your, what? Presence is what? Fullness of joy. I like that. And in your right hand, there are pleasures forever. What is there in your presence? Fullness of joy. And what is the presence? What kind of a presence is he talking about? Let's see. Psalm 51. Okay? Understand the, the, the connection between the presence, Holy Spirit, and joy. We're looking at all of these things, right? Psalm 51 verses 11 onwards. Do not cast me away from your... Why? In your presence, what is there? Fullness of joy. And do not take your... Where your Holy Spirit is, what do we have? The manifest presence of God. Okay? The Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me what? Joy. So what is, what is, why, what is, what is joy in the Holy Spirit when I am in the presence of God and in the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? What does it mean? What does it mean to be in the presence of God? What does it mean to be in the presence of God? And what is the connection between the presence of God, the Holy Spirit and joy? Of course, there's one, one, one sentence here. This is David's psalm where he knows that he sinned against Bathsheba, uh, sinned against God by committed, committing adultery. And therefore he says, Lord, I have lost not the, not, not my salvation, but the joy of my salvation. And I know why is, why that has happened because I, I did not live in your presence for a moment. And therefore, Lord, please do not take away your spirit from me. So what does it mean? What is this? What is this? Spirit and presence, what does it mean? Let us understand this a little more clearly. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Strange verse, but follow carefully. For the eyes of the Lord, what is it? Everybody say, ah, eyes of the Lord. Run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly, therefore from now on you have Wars, you shall have wars. This is talking to Asa. What is the eyes of the Lord, eyes of the Lord doing? They are going to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. Now, who is this himself? The eyes of the Lord. Okay. The eyes of the Lord to show themselves strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal towards who's at him? Eyes of the Lord. Okay, understand that. Hmm? In other words, if you want the, you want to have the entire resources of heaven backing you up, the presence of God, the resources of heaven, the power of God, everything to back you up, what you need, you need to have the eyes of God upon you. Who are these eyes? It's important. Okay, let's see. Revelation chapter 5 verse 6. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and in the four, and of the four, four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having what? Seven horns. What does seven horns signify? Horns signifies strength. What does it signify? Strength or authority or power. Seven horns signifies complete, perfect strength or power or authority. That is Jesus. And seven eyes. What are the seven eyes? Seven eyes of God, right? Which are the seven eyes of the Spirit of God. So what is the Spirit of God doing? The eyes of God means the Spirit of God is hovering all around the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is what? Loyal toward him. So what is he looking for? He's looking for what? What, what is he looking for? Let us see. Isaiah chapter 11. 
and there shall come come forth from a uh, from the, uh, forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That is one. The spirit of wisdom two. The spirit of understanding three. The spirit of counsel four. The spirit of might five. The spirit of knowledge six. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord. How many? Seven. And he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. So, so, what is God looking for? What is God looking for? Those who have the fear of God. They are the people who are in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, what is there? Fullness of joy. You understand now? So how does this come? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, He who does miracles among you and gives you the Spirit, how does he do it? By the hearing from faith. By the hearing from faith. So look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24. Now, that we have, not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are what? Fellow workers for your joy. You know who's working for your joy? All the preachers and the teachers, especially from this pulpit, people who are working behind this pulpit, they are working so that you will have what? Joy. You will have what? Joy. That you will continue to remain in His presence. That you will grow in the fear of the Lord. So that the, so that the what? That you will continue in His presence so that what do you have? You, you have what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. Continuously. Understand this. So don't fight your pastors and your teachers. Look at what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 4. You are our epistle. What is it? You are our epistle. Written on our hearts, known and read by all men. So, ultimate purpose is to make every person in GTC as a epistle. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. You are the epistle of Christ. How did this epistle of Christ come about? Ministered by... Okay, Who are those people who's, who's us? The people who are teaching you and preaching you the word of God. Okay. Written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living. So, who is the spirit of the living God using? The ministers that who have God, who has God appointed in your life, so that you can become what? An epistle of Christ. Okay, then. Not on tables of stone, but on tables of flesh, that is of the heart. We have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who has also made us ministers of the new covenant of the spirit and not of the letter. Okay? So understand this. God uses human instruments, vessels, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to teach you the word of God so that you can continuously dwell in the presence of God. And when you're continuously dwelling in the presence of God, what do you have? Fullness of joy. Because you know why? You have the Holy Spirit abiding on you. The problem is people don't abide in the teaching. Where did Cain go away? From the presence of God. And what did Moses ask? Lord, 
Teach me your ways, show me your paths. And how did God answer him? My shall, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. And what was Moses? A man who was full of joy. Even when God said, you will not enter into the promised land, he was full of joy. Joy cannot be taken. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Look at what the Bible describes the ministers of the new covenant. I love this verse. Psalm 45, verse 1. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I like that. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My composition or my music or my song is not about myself. It's about my king. My tongue is what? Is the pen of a ready writer. Okay. So what? you know what I ask God? Lord, make my tongue the pen of a Ready writers. But do you have hearts on which this tongue can write? Is a question. You know why? Because we are fellow workers for your what? For your joy. For your joy. So three things we mentioned today. What is the first thing? Righteousness. How does righteousness come? When you judge yourself Based upon the truth that you receive, what comes into your life, equity enters your life, iniquity is purged, and the end result is righteousness. First thing. And in order for that to happen, what should you deal with? Not only deal with the symptom, but also the lies. And not only with the lies, with the support on which the lies stand. The teachings, the doctrines, and the lies. That is the reason why you should be very careful who your friends are. Because friends teach you doctrine. Do you know that? They teach you. You know, one of the best ways of, of, of promoting a movie, what is it called? Word of mouth. They're preaching the gospel. Hurry, you should see that movie, Ray. What an experience. What is that? Teaching. And what do you do? End up in that movie theater. You should be very, very, very careful. Whom you allow to speak into your life is so, so, so important. That is the reason why multiple of teachers is okay. You have to read from all. But one of the very, very fun, most important things in your life is for you to have a shepherd over your life. To guard your heart. To teach you the word of God. Because it says in Jeremiah chapter 3, I will give you pastors after my own heart who will teach you wisdom and knowledge so that you will grow in salvation. Very important. Very, very important for you to understand what kind of people I am listening to. Very important. Especially young people. Young people, listen, listen, listen. Every decision that you make is based upon what you believe. What you believe. What you believe will decide what you decide. What you choose? That is the reason why we, Pastor was teaching voices and therefore choices. You see, there's something called the teaching of Rebecca. What is it called? You know what the teaching of Rebecca does? It confirms you in your lies. Jacob comes and says, uh, Rebecca comes and says, uh, Jacob, don't, uh, this is what your father is doing. Do something. Deceive your father and get the blessing. And Jacob is like, Mother, this idea is very interesting. But I might seem to be a deceiver to my father. What is that? Ah, I might, I, he's not worried that he's going to deceive his father. He may curse me. You know what she does? Let your curse be upon me, my son. 
What is she doing? She is giving, she is empowering his lies, his deception. That is what I call the teaching of Rebecca. The powerful voice, the law of the mother. What is she doing? Confirming you in your life. Remember that pastor, that father, no, who was in, who was called to the uh, to the principal's office. Sir, your son is stealing pencils, erasers, pencil boxes, and food from his neighbors, and also papers also these days. Father is very upset with the son. Son, why did you do this? If you would have asked me, I would have got it from my office. What are you do? What are you doing? A voice which is confirming your deception and not confronting your sin. That is the reason why you have to be very, 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 very careful as to what kind of teaching you are receiving. Because the end result of teaching is either unrighteousness or righteousness. Understand this. Second, let your mind be stayed on God. You know why? He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Third, joy in the Holy Spirit. Where is joy? In his presence is fullness of joy. And what is his presence? The presence where the fear of God is, where you are taught to grow in the fear of God. That is where the presence of God is. And that is where joy is. That is the reason why the Bible says rejoice with trembling. How is it? How can you rejoice with trembling? Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. How can you rejoice? You know, you know, you know why? Because you're in the presence of the king. You're growing in the fear of the Lord. And therefore, there is genuine joy in your life. Strive for these things. Because the kingdom of God is not a matter of what? Eating or drinking. Or it's not a matter of talk. It's not a matter of eating or drinking. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that is the kingdom of God. And what do people in the kingdom of God do? They enter into the kingdom of God by violence. For the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So therefore this morning, let's all stand. In the presence of God. God loves us and therefore he judged his son. He will never condone sin. He will never justify the wicked. But when the wicked come and confess their sins, the Bible says, He is faithful and just. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, will cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And this morning, we can make a commitment back to God. Lord, we are in the 15th year. We want to grow in righteousness. We want to go in peace. We want to enjoy your presence. Because your word says in your presence there is fullness of joy. And it is an experience. And I pray, Father, that each and every one of us will hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, if there is not a hunger like that in our hearts, I pray, Father, by the Spirit of the living God, you will create that hunger. That hunger to be right with you. The hunger to desire that life which has a right standing with God. Because your word says you anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness above all his fellows because he loved righteousness and he hated lawlessness. And I pray, Father, that we will have a genuine hatred towards lawlessness, but we will love righteousness with all of our heart. 
Because you said in your word, Lord, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. That's what you prophesied through even Balaam. You said, I do not see any iniquity in Jacob. I pray, Father, that you will desire that. We will never be able to satisfy you by our own righteousness. It is like filthy rags. And I pray, Father, each one of us will desire your righteousness, which you will give as a free gift to all those who genuinely repent of their sins, who make restitution, who come back to you in faith. I pray, Father, that you would, Lord, birth in us that desire for righteousness. Your word says, my righteous shall live by their faithfulness. And I pray, Father, that we will truly be that kind of righteous, righteous people who will live by faith, who will desire to please you all the days of our life. Create in, that, create in us that hunger, O oh Lord. That we will, our minds will be stayed on you, will be focused on you. And that we will continue to be in your presence. We will not be like Cain who was a rebel and who went away from the presence of God. Who was wandering all the days of his life. We will stay in the place of warning. Because in your presence, even though you teach us, sometimes you exhort us, sometimes you rebuke us, sometimes you encourage us. But Lord, you always have desires and thoughts to prosper us and not to harm us. To give us a hope and a future and a desired end. Because you love us. You love us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not with him freely give us all things? This is what your word says. Enable us to believe it. Enable us to grow in righteousness. Strive for righteousness. Strive for peace. And strive for joy. All the days of our life. So even as we enter into this 15th year as a church, Lord, create in us that kind of a hunger. And that, that kind of a desire. Bless us, O oh Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.